0: There's a lot of what I call do-something-isms, like, okay, someone's coming to see me, I must do something to fix this person. Someone's got plan to heal pain, they've had it for 12 months, they're coming to see you and they're paying, there's a lot of input on us as health professionals, a lot of impetus for us to fix them, you know, and part of my education to my clients is that I'm not going to fix you, natural history has this, your body is healing this, we're just trying to create an environment that makes that a bit more readily available to your body to heal this. So I'm going to try and help you along that path. Whereas I think a lot of traditional health practitioners are still trying to be the one that fixes it. And you see it. People will come in and say, I want you to fix me. I straight away say, I'm not going to be fixing you. Your body's got this in hand. I'm just going to be guiding you.
1: Welcome to the Restore to Explore podcast from The Foot Collective. We're on a mission to empower humans to restore their natural health and function from the ground up so we can all explore movement and life with freedom and confidence.
2: All right, Andy. Hi. Fancy seeing you here. (laughs) uh, This is a nice little park podcast. We've been doing a few of these outdoor ones lately. It's a good vibe. And we're obviously here in Melbourne. Been playing a bit. Had a bit of play and now time to get to work. <laughs>
0: it's hardly work.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> oh, it's the, pretty good work.
2: The best kind of work. Yeah, yeah. So we we were just exploring a bit before that. It would be get, great to go through your process as a podiatrist. We've obviously talked through your story on a previous podcast. Um, so maybe just to focus a bit deeper on how you approach someone with foot pain or any kind of pain that they come to see you with. Um, let's just let's just start where you start yeah. and we can we can ask questions as we go uh
0: so uh, my initial consultations are for an hour is this the type of deep yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah from the outset
2: yeah.
1: they walk yeah. where well, they walk in the door well like, before what, they walk what what in happens?
0: the door something happens um they reach out via email phone whatever but we have like a triage thing going on where either i speak to them or um, melissa my wife who's my admin at the moment um to find out where they're at pretty much, um, because I, I think that's for me more than anything else. Cause I don't like surprises mm-hmm. and I want to know that I'm going to be able to help someone or not. And if they're just someone local and they, and they want a new pair of orthotics, it's going to, like, it just sets me up for a different conversation than if it's someone that's been trying to go into barefoot shoes for the last four years and having all those issues. So mm. I just like to, um, have some readiness in my mind as to where we're going to be going. And, and, and so that's just a few notes from admin saying, you know, runner XYZ happening where they're coming from because sometimes they travel a long way just so I know, um, what their expectation is. Cause then I, like, I don't want to use the word perform, but I'm going to be better if I am prepared for someone.
2: You'll be able to adjust to the person a bit easier, have a bit of mental preparation. Yeah,
0: definitely. And, and I I am um, like next week, someone's coming down from Wodonga, which is like a, I think on the train. So it's probably like a three hour train trip and they've, wow. um, on, off their own bat, sent me a, um, Like a rundown of what's going on in their feet for the last 10 years, probably, or maybe even back further. Like I love that. I want to know all the information. Um, So that, so that's great Um, in Uh, that case.
1: How do you find, you know, clients take that? Because that's again, like it's a fair bit of effort they're having to put in. Yeah. So
0: most wouldn't have done that like page long thing about that. Most are just talking to Melissa or I about where, where they're at and they are, they're like, wow. Someone gives a shit straight away, like they care, and someone is caring immediately about my issue. I'm not just booking in this is not just an admin person. this is someone going, "Andy wants to know about you." And so it sets it off from a, a really good start, I think. Um, it starts that relationship before I've even met them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so that's, uh, I think, critical for me, but I think it's a really helpful thing for the client as well. If it's a zoom or like an online one, then I get them sending me a whole, his- their whole history and doing some videos and stuff like that as well, because again, I want to be prepared. I want to make the most of our time together. Um, but still it'll only be for an hour. Um, but I'll, I'm going to have to do a bit more in, in depth, um, exercises, like it's a bit more fiddly over online. So I want to know that background first.
2: So you get more background online so that it's yeah, less, beforehand. less yeah, cumbersome online to Yeah, do online.
0: It. <laughs> and also it's harder to help someone online. So I want to make sure I am going to be able to. And so I'll, I'm like going out, okay, is this, um, maybe it's not, you know, I'm not the right person for you. Right. Um, cause you know, you're not going to solve everyone's problems and making sure they're a good fit from the start is a, well, what you deem to be a good fit from the start is, is important, I think. mm mm-hmm. So then I, um, they come in, they've been sent a message the day before asking to bring all their shoes. Um, and so that's pretty important because I need to see, um, what the foot's going to be in, you know? So um, they come in and we just get chatting really. I might just ask where they've come from. Like I, I find a gr- a common ground usually. It might be like, I want to know how they're referred. I might already know, but I'm going to ask that because then I understand a bit more about their expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'll often know the person that sent them, whether it be a health practitioner or a friend or a family member, or it could just be the local GP who doesn't know anything about what I do specifically. And then that's gonna set the framework for how I'm gonna be um, helping this person, like where we're gonna pick up um, for them and get to on that day. And at some point in maybe in that first five minutes, I'll be asking them about their foot pain or why they're there to see me. But sometimes it could be like, I might have my dogs at work and we talk about dogs for the first 10 minutes before we even start talking about their feet, just to find a common ground. Mm. Um, and definitely that first 15 minutes is just finding um, that history and that common ground and then going, delving into their foot pain, how it's affecting them, what they like to do, what their work situation's like, what their family situation's like, just like delving into how their foot pain affects all these different things without even, um, looking at their feet at the stage they they may not even have their shoes off but if they're saying if i'm not sure where their pain is i might have have them have their shoes off and they can point to it or something like that and already i've maybe just started putting some education out there about um why they have pain or um just explaining a few little things along the way if it fits to explain things Um, and so like 15 minutes has gone we've really got to know someone and talked to, to some extent and and talked about their pain how it's affecting their life what they like to do and then I go into um, an assessment, and traditionally podiatry has um, watched someone walk and tried to find what's wrong with them. When I'm watching someone walk these days, I'm trying to see that they're functioning as a human walking, and you know what? Nearly everyone can, and no one is um, the same, and no one is perfect, and what is the perfect anyway? What's the ideal or what's the normal? There, There is not an ideal or normal, even though as podiatrists we're taught this textbook foot that lands in this place and and um, pronates into the ground loads and then pushes off with supination like as long as those things are mainly happening then i'm pretty happy i might be getting a sense for the way someone moves in terms of they might be more mobile or more stiff and that might be relating to their pain so i'm starting to build this little picture up in my head but trying not to jump too far ahead of myself and label what the issue is you know or um, but just getting a picture for how they are moving without going, how am I going to fix this? You know, what do I, what am I going to, like traditional podiatry sees that foot pronate and goes, oh, I need to um, do something about that. Oh, we need to slow it down. We need to control it. Um, and so I, I'm just trying to make it a positive thing and I'm explaining that as we go. So I'm watching someone walk and saying, what I'm watching for is your foot pronating and your foot supinating. I want to see those things I want to see how, how well they're doing those things. And we want to be ticking that box. And if there's a big red flag, then that might be something we work on. You know, like if, it, if the foot is um, readily pronating and finding it hard to supinate, to push off, like it looks like it's not an efficient movement, then that might be a red flag that we're going to be working on. And, and how might that correlate to why they have pain? Mm-hmm. And So I'm just talking about this the whole time. I'm not like keeping secrets. I'm just telling them I'm an open, like I'm just telling you what I'm seeing and thinking here. Um, So that goes on and then, you know, I talk then about how the foot moves as a human um, and how when it's bare, it's moving this way. And then maybe I'll put in a bit about shoes there, um, having an effect on the way that might be, they might be moving. And then we unpack gait in more detail. So we watch them balance because in in walking and and especially running, there's a balance phase. And so I want to see them balance because um, if that's inefficient, then with every step, there's an inefficiency happening. And this could be leading to an overuse thing or pain. So I'm watching them balance explaining that explaining what i'm looking for explaining um, why the way they're moving but not giving them any cues to do it better yet because it might not be the big red flag that i'm going to be working on in my head i'm thinking okay what three or four things are going to this person gonna get bang for their buck best for um for their pain or function you know depending on what they're coming to see me for then um i'm watching them do a calf raise because this mimics Towing off, pushing off in, in the gate, um, And so I watch them do a, a double leg calf raise, single leg calf raise to capacity, like how many they can do. I'm looking at their technique, how well they do this movement, um, uh, how, the, what other compensations they're using to do this movement. And then I'm watching them do a single leg squat. Sometimes they have to hold on to see how well their body organises itself um, when the foot's landing on the ground, like how well that, how, how controlled is that movement? Um, and so this is like unpacking those phases of gait and seeing and building up a picture of way, where we can add things that might make that more a, a more of an efficient movement. Obviously if they're a runner, I might watch them run or if they're a you know depending on what sport I might look at more sport specific things, but from that but ba- basic assessment of walking and then unpacking those walking things, I'll lead my um, my future my further assessment and that will be looking into. Their their shoe wear like where their shoes are wearing out, um, because that will coincide often with what I'm seeing in their calf raise or where their their landing mechanics. Um, Then I might see that they've got maybe an earlier heel lift and they might have tight ankles, so I might be doing a knee to wall test. So that basic starter will lead me into other paths, and Mm. depending on whether it's going to be relational to their pain or not. Um, And then I'll and and then the other part of the other thing that I nearly always do will be see how well their brain is connected to their feet so watching them move their toes and then how well they move when I load their toes using my fingers as a resistance Um, and if they can't load their toes how well I can get those muscles within the foot to fire with other activities like maybe balance stuff or balancing on a a space to see if I can get those muscles to fire up and so just building this picture and explaining all all the while um, why, why I'm doing it and how that might relate to their pain or function whatever they're coming to see me. And obviously footwear is in there as well um and explaining how that might be relating to each of these phases whether it be the cushioning might be not great for your balance because it's going to um, make create more instability or um, push your big toe sideways and then if your big toe is sideways it's going to be very hard to balance well these types of things so from that i come up with a like education all the way through education would be like if i'm writing my patient my client notes number one education for everyone like it's just um explaining to them what's going on. And from that, I am going into a treatment or a intervention whether um, that's gonna ho- hopefully have a big effect quickly. And, and that might be, when I say quickly, I'm talking like one week to six months, depending on the issue. Mm-hmm. But where are they gonna get bang for their buck with their movement? And so if they haven't been able to do an efficient um, calf raise, technically, like their technique is not great, but they've got great capacity, then the exercise won't be truckloads of calf raises. It might be a calf raise with a real cue, with real cues on the way they're doing their calf raise, um, and then taking that to a gate cue. Like you don't have to hit everything in one go or um, make it a cookie cutter um, version. Like everyone gets ten, three three sets of 10 calf raises. Um, so yeah, just like finding out where it fits for them from those three, like three or four big things. Cause I could give people 10 exercises, but it decreases their likelihood to do them. It clouds the issue. There's a whole lot of talk going on anyway, so they're hardly gonna remember anything. Um, And so I'm giving them three or four bang for your buck things. Generally it'll be footwear and two or three exercises, maybe toe spaces um, and some lifestyle stuff as well. And I'm then going into detail these exercises. They take a video of me doing them, a video of them doing them sometimes. We do them together talk about how it's going to look, a lot of education about the expectations on their pain or their function. And we go from there. If they're in acute pain, I might try and calm them down a little bit, like calm things, not their brain, but um, their, <laughs> the, the injury down. So that would be another yeah. facet, and then build it up explaining that's what we're doing. And we might see them sooner, like maybe in two to four weeks. But if it's like a long-term thing, I'm looking at four to six weeks for a review because Um, It gives them time to let all this settle in. It tells them that we're not expecting to be better in four to six weeks, that it's a long-term process. It's a habitual changes. So um, I definitely set up my um, practice to have long reviews for sure. So that's in a nutshell, sorry. No,
2: no, no. That's great. I love the nutshell. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot in there and we could probably zoom in on on a lot of those different aspects, which I think would be good. I'm interested to get in a nutshell... In what ways is that different to the way you used to uh, apply podiatry or yeah. I guess the way you were taught to in uni or what I guess the generalization of what traditional podiatry would do?
0: I, I don't know what other podiatrists are doing much at the moment, but I know they probably don't have that hour long initial consultation. Okay.
2: So yeah. What, what, what did your initial consultation doing, um, used to be? I was definitely doing 30
0: minutes. And then when I started um, this five years ago, it was 45. And then I went out to an hour and a quarter. And now I've brought it back to an hour because it's just too much information in an hour. I was mm-hmm. trying to pack it all in, and it's actually better to get someone back maybe a bit sooner, and do less, um, just because it's too much information on that first mm-hmm. one. Um, but I think a lot of people are doing half an hour initials or forty-five minute initials, and maybe they're just diagnosing in that time, and then getting them back for an assessment or telling them like basically what's going on, then going back into a detailed assessment where it would be a biomechanical analysis with an orthotic prescription. Um, and, and, and maybe they're calming stuff down with some shockwave therapy and laser, like getting someone back on a weekly basis or doing some, m- mob, um, some dr- I think dry needling is quite popular now. There's a lot of what I call do something isms, like, okay, someone's coming to see me. I must do something to fix this person. Mm. And so these are, these are, um, you know, you've bought this fancy shockwave um, machine, which costs, I don't know, I've never even looked into how much they cost, but I think they cost a lot and you have to pay it off. So. Uh, this is like the skeptic in me big time. Uh, and I'm not sure, I'm, I'm sure people are getting some benefit from them. Research says there is some benefit from them. But, you know, someone's got plan to heal pain. They've had it for 12 months. They're seeing you and they're they're coming to see you and they're paying. There's a lot of input on us as health professionals, a lot of impetus for us to fix them, you know. And part of my education to these to my clients is that oh, I'm not going to fix you. Natural history has this. Your body is healing this. We're just trying to create an environment that makes that a bit more um readily available to your body to heal this and so i'm going to try and help you along that path whereas i think a lot of traditional health practitioners are still trying to be the one that fixes it and you see it they say i you know um people will come in and say i want you to fix me i straight straight away say i'm not going to be fixing your body's got this in hand i'm just going to be guiding you on fixing this
1: like on that point then you you sort of said that you weren't trying to calm their brain down, but yeah. you think that whole process have, yeah. does actually calm their brain down? Like, yeah. And yeah, I guess how how have you seen the response from the client change as opposed to what you used to do? Having the longer time, yeah. going through the education, just chatting to them, like how has it changed yeah. their reaction in that first session? Definitely. And when I said
0: that, I, when I was meaning I calm, we try and calm the foot down or the injury down, but all of this process is calming them down, giving them confidence that it's in hand, that it's going to take That it's okay, It's normal that it takes a while. That it's going to take a while. That um, their body has got it under control. Like for them to hear that gives them confidence, as opposed to them having to rely on coming to see me. And so, it definitely makes a big difference um, in that sense as well, which is great for the healing process as well.
1: Does I that s- does that sink in quickly though? I mean, oh, I feel like hugely. I'm, I'm wondering whether, like, if someone's come to you and like you were saying, they want that that fix they want that fix in that session and then they're sitting there and they're they're learning a lot obviously and they're being empowered but yeah can it can it happen that quickly
0: um i think the people that come to see me now and this is um a lot of like uh tfc refers to me other health practitioners refer to me because of this approach Mm. so people are coming and because of what we've spoken to these people on the phone beforehand they're coming to some extent forewarned I only see two new musculoskeletal clients a day, which even if I've got a spot in the day, I don't um, fill that spot. Um, it pushes back the weight for a new client. So some people are waiting anywhere from two two to eight weeks to see me, depending on timing and things like that. And straight away, this takes the impetus out of, um, I need to be the fixed quick now. Yeah, fix. Yeah, yeah the quick fix. And, and you know what? A lot of the time, they're already on the, like they might've had the pain for two months when they reach out to me. Six weeks later, it's less already. Like that's your body healing this. You're on the way. Mm. We're just going to hopefully get you to a point where maybe happens a bit quicker. And if it doesn't happen quicker, um, when you get out the other side, you'll understand your body better. It's maybe less likely to happen again. Like we can't guarantee anything. Mm. Um, but you're going to be equipped with the tools that if it does happen again, you'll be, um, in a better place to deal with it yourself or use me as a resource, you know, going forward. I don't know if that helps, and I'm not sure if I answered Jim's um, uh, question properly. Before, I think there's this for those um, regular health professionals that they need to get people coming back, like Mm. you need to get them rebooking. And I'm like, I I want to finish with people the most after four sessions. If anything, one to three. And, um, and it's not seeing them every week at all. i am teaching them, their, their wife or partner or child or whatever to tape their foot if they need that to calm things down, like equipping them with the tools mm-hmm. rather than getting them back over and over again, it breeds confidence in themselves.
2: Definitely. Yeah. There, there's something that I think is worth touching on is you mentioned natural history and the fact that the body, the body is obviously a healing machine. Yeah. We talk about it being a self-organizing, self-healing machine, but if there's someone who's had a persistent pain for. 12 months, well, technically it's over three months, is chronic, chronic, yeah. chronic pain, persistent pain. People, I imagine people are coming to you with persistent or recurrent pain or injury that's been going on for up to years, decades. So how are you explaining to them this, that concept? Like it's not natural history then, it's, it's extended yeah. beyond natural history. Yeah. So w- what's your approach to helping them understand that yes, their body is a healing machine and it can do it itself, but why hasn't it?
0: Um, I, that's not where I think the environment that their body's in is probably a big part of the equation. Like if they keep doing the same thing, their body's going to still be in pain. It's, it's very hard for the body to adapt if, if it keeps being fed the wrong ingredients for adaptation to help heal. And so I, I'll be talking about that type of thing. And mostly they know um, themselves already. They have been, Like they just um, intuitively know it could be a weight issue, a food issue, Um, a lifestyle in terms of movement issue. And so um, I think those long-term pain ones often have that stuff going on or there's been a a really acute injury that hasn't been rehabbed very well. And so um, that means there's probably going to be a functional element to it as well. And so it's just going to be weeks, months of rehab to get them moving better. It's almost easier when when there's been long-term pain Because the expectation that they've learned how to Mm. deal with pain, the expectation is far decreased in someone that's had
1: heel pain for two months. And I guess the gains as well and the progress they see is far more noticeable. Yeah,
0: it doesn't have to be much. Oh, great! Like now, I'm now less painful when I get out of bed. They still have pain when they get out of bed, but it's less painful. They're like they're they're in in tune with their pain. Yeah. And so they they pick up those little differences very easily, Mm. and have lower expectations for feeling less pain. They, they don't even expect to be out of pain. So that makes our job, my job, easier to some extent. There's less, there's lower expectations and it doesn't take much to make a change because mm. there's some, if there's those big boulders that need to be moved to, um, to, to help the body heal, you, you move them and stuff starts changing pretty quickly. And so then they're on, you know, like, mm. yeah, footwear is that one in the, in the, Like that is the biggest one because habitually people have um, been in shoes that aren't appropriate for their feet and and have led to chronic pain. And so changing, like people to say, where have these shoes been my whole life? Like, why weren't people talking about these shoes before? Like, why have I put up with this pain for 10 years and no one has said, change my shoes? You know, like it just
2: blows them away. It's a real odd one. It's yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, we, we ask that question to <laughs> yeah. each other every day, um, and I guess that's a, a good lead lead into this pain versus function concept. But as you said, your patient demographic is generally a bit more function focused, or they're like open to not having this, um, you know, laser focus on their pain. Yeah. And what are you going to do to fix my pain? Obviously, they are there. Generally, people are there because they're in pain. Yeah. So how do you, ma- and I think that's probably where this, do, like you said, do something is comes from and yeah. it's a very natural thing. If you're a, a practitioner, you want to help people, you want to help reduce suffering, you have a business model that's built around helping people reduce suffering and they're coming to you specifically to reduce their pain or to eliminate yeah. their pain. And so that's where this like, well, any tool I can use to um, help reduce or eliminate this pain is good and is worth this person coming back yeah. to to do that. Yeah. And I think where that where that laser focus on pain leads you is towards dependence generally, dependence yeah. on external technologies, external support, footwear, orthotics and yeah. so on. But a lot of it comes down to the narrative of why those tools are being used, how they're being used. And and I think a lot of that comes into the time that the practitioner has to educate the patient. So, you know, if you're getting 30 minutes of pain focused treatment and an orthotic with like minimal education or education that the client doesn't really get or understand, then naturally their, their takeaway is, well, that's what, Fixed me. Or that's yeah. what helped my pain, yeah. and so therefore, if I get in, if I, if it's if pain happens again, then I just need more of that. So, h- how do you manage that focus on pain versus, say, a focus on improving function?
0: Pain looks after itself once. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, so, um, I. I I don't focus on it. I don't ask what it is out of 10. Mm. I don't, uh, and people that have been to other health practitioners love to tell me what is out of 10. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I, I wouldn't even say that, but I think to myself, like, it's not that important to me no. that that's what, um, like, so we just don't make a function, a, a focus of it. I talk more about, okay, so if you could, I, I often ask the question, if you could walk, um, if, could you walk five kilometers around the block with this, would your foot get sore then? And, um, and so they're, or they might say, oh, I used to walk the dog and I can't now. So when they're coming back, I'm asking them, well, are you? Um, able to walk the dog, oh, you know, like, or we're setting in a place, a program about them getting back to walking the dog. I'll be like, I want you walking the dog tomorrow, but if 10 minutes is too painful, let's just do five minutes and let's graduate the load. So that straight away, we're buying into, oh, I can do this, mm. like a bit more um, active, proactive thing. And then with pain, like, I don't want to, I don't want to ever say to people that um, their pain is not important. So if it's something that I can see, or they're telling me that this pain is really debilitating, Again, I won't do pretty much anything, I t- maybe taping. I might tape them to help with plantar heel pain, but mostly I'm, te- I'm asking them to do things that they can do for themselves. And that will be heat or ice, because some people still find ice more comfortable than heat, but generally I'll get them to use heat because it's um, comforting for the brain, it's helpful for healing. And I'm explaining, this is what I want you to do. I want you to give your foot some love. I want you to feel good about your feet. Um, I'll get them to do movement before they stand. So, you know, some ankle cars, some calf pumps before they stand after being in the car for a while after sitting on the couch after anything at rest enough before getting it before getting up out of bed to get some movement going so that they don't have this um like i think a lot of foot that first step foot pain which can be an acute inflammation thing can be because there's been rest and then there's just accumulated fluid in the foot and we want to get it moving so that just helps it's just like a practical tool for getting for feeling less pain um uh, I might get them to do some ball rolling. I'll talk to them about the other things they could do, cortisone, laser, um, needling, mobilizations, um, shockwave therapy, and explain what those are doing. Like, I understand why, what the cell is on those. Like, and I'll say, this is this would help you with your pain for this reason, um, but you'll have to go back and see someone regularly. And I want to equip you with these tools. They may not be immediately more effective, but if you're doing them five days a week, rather than seeing someone once a week, I think that's probably going to be more effective for your pain and it's giving you tools to help that. And so that maybe in six in six years' time when you have foot pain again, you've got, oh, I remember last time I did this, this, this and this and it stops you even going to see someone yeah. because you just looked after yourself. So I don't dismiss pain, but it's not the focus. And if I'm writing some instructions, there's a little bit at the top for pain. Ankle cars, heat, ball rolling, um, avoid the sore spot, as in don't do things that aggravate it intensely um let's and then all this is for rehabbing like there's a focus like my my focus is on getting you more functional and that just brings their focus on that as well
1: Mm. it's all education education and transparency it's like that's all that is it's it's like if you can just explain what's actually going on instead of holding the keys and yeah and making the the client feel like they need you yeah to know the answers. I
0: semi-joke that um, I have come up with this I- these ideas because I'm inherently lazy. I don't want people to re- <laughs> I don't want people to rely upon me. Like I want them to be um, to be equipped to do it themselves. Like I hate going to see a health practitioner because I've got a pain. Like I just I'd rather know what to do myself. So if my foot gets sore, the first thing I do is ch- chuck a heat pack on it, put it in the end of the bed when I go to sleep, move it around before I get up. Like just move, change my activities. Like I want other people to be able to do that, um, and not rely on me. I don't want, I don't like people coming to see me and saying they've still got pain or they've got a new pain and, and like, I feel, um, I don't like that feeling of being, um, responsible Mm. for people. And so I don't want people saying, oh, he fixed me or anything like that. And you see all over social media, I love going to see this guy. He's always fixing my feet. My feet are so thankful. Um, not about me, about other practitioners and the practitioners are posting that stuff, yeah. you know? And it's like, oh, look at me. I'm like this health practitioners have this, a lot of them this God like, like, oh, I fix people. It it's, yeah. I don't think, I think yeah. it should be more like facilitators for people to be well.
2: It's, it was a simple reframe of just, just the difference between asking about how their pain is the following session yeah. versus leading with asking how their function is yeah. because the re- generally, for the most part, the reason they're seeing you for their pain is because they're limited in some kind of function that yeah, they they want to get back to. Yeah. So yes, you're kind of asking about both at the same time, but yeah. the fact that you're asking about the actual activity, yeah. how have you gone walking your dog, yeah. not how how much is your pain out of 10 yeah. this week after yeah. what we did. Because then each time that happens or each time you you sort of reframe the conversation to focus on function. Consciously or subconsciously, the client starts them. to yeah. then focus on that function. Yeah. Um, or you might even just focus on how many times, how many times per day, or how many days out of this last two weeks did you do the exercises? Or you know. Yeah. And it's like, well, I, I did them once, and the and and my pain's not better. Okay, well, let's try doing the exercises yeah. every day. Yeah. You know, to to see if that helped. Like, yeah. and it's.
0: I I then talk about minimal minimum dose effectiveness. So, like, you know what? We can't expect to see changes with once a week. We need to look at it three or four times a week. Why couldn't you do them more often? Yeah. How can we make them so they're more, uh, you know, more applicable to doing more often? You know, like, what can we do to fit this in your life better? Like, this is where that relational stuff is so important.
2: Mm. Yeah. It's. it's, I have. Evolved to think of it more as like a coaching role, like you said, like a facilitator, you're essentially coaching them through the process of self-regulation Yeah, because people do need that. Like if they haven't actually experienced, uh, or built the confidence on how to regulate themselves based on the feedback that they're getting, how to adjust load based on the, you know, they, they have no concept of how to interpret their body's feedback and adjust their lifestyle or their load accordingly. And so literally just helping them do that. Yeah. Each session is like a, a new lesson of like, Hey, well, what did you do this week? Yeah. How much of it did you do? What symptoms did you experience yeah. and what can we change now to yeah. adapt to that? Because can we it, progress all... things? Do we regress things? Yeah. You know, and then they go, and then, yeah, like, like I said, subconsciously or consciously, they're like, get the habit of Okay, that's what I do. When a new symptom comes on, I analyze what did I do, what can I change, and then it it, it builds, it basically comes back to that concept of self-efficacy, which is basically the most uh, well-researched indicator of an outcome is how much self-efficacy someone has, which is their confidence that they are in control of their own outcome. Yeah,
1: and you say how in tune they are with their pain, but really they just need to be more in tune with with the function of their body yeah. and what, what that's trying to tell them because they know what hurts, Yeah. but it's what is the hurt trying to tell them. And so
0: people come back and they're like, oh, I can do this now. I can, oh, I can move my mm, yeah. just and just move my toes, oh, yeah. I, I, love I can, it do, when I that can happens. do 14 calf raises now and I can only do three single, you know, like, and so then th- that becomes their focus and that's and they know that's what's going to be important to me as their practitioner. Like that's what they want. I'm going to want to hear. Um, and so it takes this focus away from the pain.
2: Um, and yeah. uh, uh, sorry to chime in there. I've had clients, um, some recently where they'll be like, yeah, I've done this walk. I've been doing this, this, and this, like they don't mention their pain at all. And then I'm like, Oh, okay, so how, how is your feet feeling yeah. with that? Like, cause they've just led yeah. with all of that. And they're like, Oh yeah, it was great. Yeah, like, that's <laughs> right. that's uh, yeah. yeah. Or they'll be like, Oh yeah, there was still some pain, but I'm doing all that. Like, yeah. And, and I'm not worried about it because it's improving and or they understand
0: why it's sore and yeah. if they understand why it's sore they know like their foot's not going to fall off you know it's not going to be detrimental yeah. to their long-term health because you've explained what's going on just on what you said before about um being a coach uh to te- to help people learn to be more self just to self-regulate yeah to self-regulate and, and they, they don't know how to do that because our health system is set up when, as soon as you feel something, you take a pill, you go to the doctor, you go to the physio, whatever. And like, I, I was definitely like that as a junior runner, I would go to the physio, like my parents would just take me to the physio as soon as anything went wrong, mm. you know? Whereas like my son now, his back goes out probably because he sits all day, like a lot playing computer games and stuff. We don't take him to the osteo. I'm like, oh, here's some stretches you can do and make sure you get up and move. You, you know, like instead of, um, like our whole health system's about, going for that um, magic pill that the health practitioner will give you when something goes wrong. And so that's why it's such a foreign way for people to think, um, because all, anything that goes wrong with our bodies, we just think we have to, um, we have to give that over to someone else to fix Yeah, because of the business model of health.
2: And if if there's a symptom, then there's, you know, Something wrong, and therefore we need to find out what's wrong so that we yeah. can so the case in point, and I think that actually feeds into the pain continuing, yeah, whereas I've had a couple of things recently where i uh, I'll wake up one morning and my knee's like really hurting, and I can't squat can't squat down, and I'm like, oh, that's really weird. And maybe that would be something that someone would go and check out. And then I'm like, oh, yesterday I was doing like this new exercise where I hang a kettlebell off my foot and I straighten it out into like a kick. And I'm like, that <laughs> might've, that, that might've been too <laughs> much yeah. for me. Cause yeah. I was like playing around and going really heavy and I haven't built up to that. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. And then I go, oh, it's just, it'll just fix itself over the next few days because that's my body warning me, Hey, you've done too much. And I'm like, I can squat. I can actually squat down. Yeah. There's no clicking, locking. There's not, there's not like a physical restriction. It just hurts yeah. to squat down. So therefore the function is still present. There's pain there that's warning me. I did too much, just chill for a bit. Yeah. And then four or five days later, I was absolutely fine. Went to the US and did like heaps of <laughs> movement, ran events, all the stuff, and it was completely fine. But I could have probably gone to a practitioner yeah. and they would have analyzed my body. They would have looked at my foot told function. My, was... They told me yeah. all these things that's wrong. And then possibly if I'd, you know, if I'd gone to a physio, they would have done a lot of, this is a very generalized, you know, assumption, but a a physio got some manual therapy, some dry needling, a podiatrist might've given me orthotics because my XYZ is out of whack. Um, or, you know, whichever a chiropractor might've manipulated me again, I'm not having a go at these professions, but it's the, the concept is that if you actually understand broad principles such as load management then you can you can interpret those things and not worry about it and therefore allow the natural healing to take place
1: and like i think what we see with members of our community and what i find the most rewarding from some of (laughs) the messages we get or what we see going on in the online community it's not the people who post and say i'm fixed my feet feel amazing it's the people who go a little bit of pain flared up the other day i decided you know, I'd probably done a little bit too much of this, yeah. I have backed that off and now it's starting to feel better. But it's, it's witnessing people who came in with that pain mindset yeah. who are now going, I know this is going to take a long time. I now know what my body's trying to tell me when it does flare up yeah. okay, two and I can do it myself because I've got the tools to do it. I'd, like I'd be interested to know, I, I, to be honest, I'd be interested to know, what you see from people who've been referred from TFC are like when they come into clinic. Cause I'm guessing they'd be a little bit different yeah. to you.
0: So first on um, on your example, your, um, that's exa- like in that first 15 minutes, I've, we've tried to nut out with the client, um, what's been the trigger and there's nearly always a trigger and some, some don't know, but we just like sort through and most do know what the trigger was. Yeah. And so, th- and then they're wondering why it's still there. And that's often, because once it got sore, it never got a chance to get better because of their footwear or, because mm. of or something like that. So that's super important because load management is kind of king. And then like you did, you just backed off a bit and does, and, and so then I'm educating them. That doesn't mean you, sh- you can't do that. It just means you didn't have the capacity to do that. We're going to find out what needs the capacity to do that mm-hmm. and, and work on that. And then you meet halfway sort of thing. And
2: the, and the other important thing yeah. is I didn't stop moving. I yes. kept I kept yeah. testing my squat. I kept doing I kept walking. I kept doing everything yeah. I could do pain free and I kept going down into the squat position and being like oh, it's still sore. It's still a bit sore. And if but I d- I wasn't fearful of that position. I didn't think it was going to be causing more damage. And so that continuing to move. I actually think people's acute injuries turn into persistent in- injuries they when they stop it. moving. Okay.
0: And they go to see someone and get told all this bad stuff about what their body's doing. And that's the other overwhelming thing that people would come away from a consultation with me is how, po- I hope, um, how positive I am about the way they move. Like mm-hmm. I'm not really bringing it. I will say something needs more capacity or we need to work on that. But generally if they're, um, a, a, have a foot that struggles to get out of that, um, more rolled in position, I'll be saying that you're really good at pronating. Like you're amazing. At life. Like I wish I could shock absorb as well as you do, um, and, but hey, let's get better at pushing off, you know, like, um, that positivity about movement, whereas most health practitioners are saying there is something wrong with you, inherently wrong yeah. with you that needs fixing possibly forever. It could be like, I, I would suggest that no one has a straight spine either, um, one way or the other.
2: Well, certainly no one does. There's <laughs> always. <laughs> I
0: would say that everyone has one leg longer than the other. That. Um, that no one's foot is perfect, and, and if we keep and so we can find something wrong with everyone that gives us an excuse to bring to, to, to bring yeah. them back to the clinic on a regular basis, but um, that's not a help. That's not the health model that I want to be part of, um, and I'm not doing anything magic. I'm not like no. giving like the best exercises or anything like that. I'm giving the most basic things, but along with understanding why they have pain and changing a few of the big rocks then that's um, what's um, making a difference. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the other thing I was going to say before I answer your question, I haven't forgotten <laughs> it, sorry, is that to have confidence to not get people back soon and explain why you're not giving them back soon. Mm. Like Because if you're, your book's not full and you know you could see the person next week, it, it's very easy to say, oh, I'm mm. going to see you next week. When they come back and they're still in pain, you change their they change the prescription, you change what you're doing. You never even gave it a chance to work. And, you, and you're also telling that person that there's something wrong again, because they didn't work, Yeah, their, de- their confidence in you just decreased because week one stuff didn't work and you want to see them again in week two, and then it doesn't work again, or it's still not progressing. And then they're suddenly analyzing every little thing instead of going, okay, this is a long, slow process. I'm going to change these that things. Where's relationship gone? Yeah.
1: So, Where like yeah. is the relationship? So
0: it's about having confidence that if you, um, send them out into the wild for two to six weeks, um, with equipped with these basics then um and if they come back and they're only 10 percent better or no better that's okay like let's just reset and start again like have that confidence to do that because um then they have a chance to get better and that's when they're going to talk to their other health practitioners and then they're, they're not going to tell their um their family and friends that they're being over-serviced oh, i've got to, you know oh you're going to the podiatrist again oh gee you're going to the podiatrist a lot oh you're going to the podiatrist again you know like you know if someone went six weeks later oh you're going again yeah but i wasn't there for six weeks and this is where we're at you know so the com- self-confidence, I still lack it with every client, um, but you just have to go, you know what? It's okay. Like it's actually better if it takes longer to see them. That's actually a good point because
2: even if you were seeing them in a week for, and we won't, we'll get back to the other yeah, question. I, I can't I even remember what it like, was, but just while we're on that yeah. point. Um, even if you are seeing them for more active stuff like say say you're not seeing them just to massage their foot and make them feel a little bit better yeah in a week it still is subconsciously or like implicitly saying that they need you yeah. <laughs> to keep to to yeah. make this better yeah whereas if you like you you're yeah kind of the underlying message there is you trust their body to organize when it when you give them these inputs and if they saw you again in a week you'd probably overwhelm them with too much stuff to do anyway so it's like just do the most bang for your buck stuff consistently for the next and just see see how you go
1: yeah
2: and i'm here you know (laughs) that's that's how i do it yeah yeah Yeah.
0: so and also it's quite simple stuff and it's if you have this uh, this overarching principle that no one is perfect or no one moves perfectly then um you don't even have to change them into a better way of moving it just has to be a different way of moving Mm. and 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 create a different variable so that half the time they're using their big toe when they push off rather than all their lesser toes and that's probably enough to take the sting out of their neuroma Mm. between their third and fourth met because half the time they're now using a different movement pattern the other half the time they're still not in an ideal movement pattern but it's still a movement pattern there's no good or bad one it's just a different one
2: well, it's just that's the one that they've been forced into because of a restriction. Yeah. So they don't that's have the right. option of doing the so other So
0: give them another option. Yeah. And and that brings it back to load management. It's not load management as in, did you run 40Ks this week and then 80Ks next week or 5Ks then 20Ks. It's more about load management in the a, at the very acute level, at the very localized level, just yeah. giving the body some different options. Or even if they keep moving the same way, um, to get stronger in that way of movement so that mm. they can cope with it, have more capacity for it. Or There's
2: like the macro load management and the micro. Yeah, micro.
0: Management. So you're just changing that. And so then, um, and we know that any strength or mobility thing takes a long time to implement. Like the, I, I don't know if, um, the first month might be just a neurological change. The second month might see some connective tissue changes. The third month will see some actual muscular strength changes. So if you're expecting something to change in a week, you're actually in a rehab program. Um, you're kind of missing the overarching principle yeah. that, time that change takes a long time anyway
1: and to, to build the consistency to allow it to be sustained yeah
0: yeah exactly and so i'll be telling people i'm going to see you in five weeks time if you have a week off because you go on holiday or you know the shit hits the fan in some other way don't worry just get back on the get horse on yeah it. just yeah. and if you only do it twice a week or once a week to start with but then you build it up and it takes you three weeks to get shoes that's okay we're human like i'm the, i don't want um soldiers like coming out of my office like bang bang. this is a this is a life that you have to make this into this um Mm. work into and so i'm taking the expectation
1: out well you lose otherwise you lose faith yeah you know if you go if you've been given this regimen that you've got to do and then go see the practitioner a week later and you haven't done it yeah it's like well i'm paying for nothing yeah been defeated yeah and, and it's probably the practitioner's fault as well but yeah by just giving them faith that they can Do this for the next two to six weeks. We wanted to take a quick break from the episode to let you know about our ultimate free foot health resource. If you're listening, you've probably already started the journey towards improving your foot and movement health. But if you're still wearing conventional shoes most of the time, that's anything cushioned, heeled, narrow or rigid, it's kind of like taking one step forward and two steps back. Knowing what shoe is right for you though can be super confusing. That's why we made the guide to foot freedom. We've taken everything our team of foot health experts have learned over the years and synthesized it into one handy manual, packed with all you need to know about unleashing the natural power of your foundation. You'll learn how to understand your feet, the truth about modern footwear, the five F's for finding natural footwear, plus a step-by-step guide with training videos to help you assess your foot function and improve it so you can safely and seamlessly transition into shoes that will finally give your feet freedom. The best part is, like I said, it's absolutely free. Just head to thefootcollective.com and click learn to find the free ebook, The Guide to Foot Freedom. You'll find the link in the show notes. Now back to the episode.
0: And and so back to your question, what are the people that are referred through TFC? So um, some some that come through TFC haven't done any of your programs and they've got pain and they are just looking for a personalised approach Um, and so obviously they've already got the head in the game about changing their shoes, but they might've been hearing TFC stuff and thinking, Oh, I don't know about changing shoes. Like, Oh, and, and just want, um, you know, some people are more wary of making a big change like that. And so they don't want to do it without me checking them off first. You
2: make sure it's right for them. Yeah, yeah.
0: Make sure it's right. Like, look, I've got this heel pain. How am I meant to go barefoot? It hurts more walking around barefoot. Yeah. Mm. So they'll come and see me there. And so, um, then it's about, um, tailor making the program so that they might go into a wide flat shoe but has some cushioning or put a cushion in it or you know at you know so um there's that aspect of people and i guess that's most of the people that come from tfc that are a bit wary Um, and then there's the other ones that have done some of your programs and like i love your programs but i only see the ones that haven't um, been successful with it because they've got pain still yeah and so if 300 people do your program then i might see three of them so Um, That's a good thing for TFC. Like, it's obviously making a big difference for a lot of people, but I see the three that it hasn't worked for, and that might be because um, they need a bit more nuance to their program or they've gone too hard or they haven't implemented it properly. They're Mm. just someone that needs a bit more of their handheld to some extent.
1: And I I think that's the the whole point of why we're sitting talking to you is because we need more of you because the first thing we 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 want to be (laughs) recommending to people is that they do go and see an Andy because that is, if you're in pain you can save a lot of time and energy if you get that good advice from the outset. Yeah. And you know sadly I think a lot of people you know who who probably end up in your office after doing the other stuff is just because they weren't able to get access to that advice at the beginning. Yeah. Um and it's not that it, it hasn't helped them along the way but there are just cases where you can save a lot of time if you are empowered from the beginning from someone who can point out just a few little things to really target yeah. because Yes, you can learn to listen to your body, but you can save a lot of time by having someone who can who can see it and who's got the experience of seeing a lot of people who come through their door. With yeah, with issues, specific issues, can't. and I
0: can think of two and that have come from you guys that have done the Explorer program or are through it, are halfway through it, when they're doing, but they've still got their pain and they're, they're wondering, is is it going to be enough? Um, and so then, but they're like, but I can now do this. I couldn't do this at the start, and I can do this and this and this. So they're already tapping in to this idea of function being more important than pain but you know I just wanted to see you because I've still got this pain is this going to be like maybe if they hadn't have seen me that in six months time they'd be out of their pain anyway but I, I then say look that's a lot of work to be doing when you've still got this pain so let's refine the work so that's all about um managing your like your condition specifically rather than um like you, you know we probably don't need to worry about this or this bit so then we like I take the bits and pieces of what you're, what you've, you guys have given them, and say, I like this bit, this bit, and this bit, and let's add these two things as mm-hmm. well.
1: Because what we yeah. sort of, what we sort of come to is, really, what that program is trying to do is, yes, it's to educate you about, you know, the importance of foot health and balance and improving your squat and all of these baselines, but really, the biggest lesson that everyone learns from that journey is the mindset, and I guess that's what I was really trying to probe for is, do you find that those people who have done that program, it's the mindset shift that makes.
0: And I was about to say, I love like when someone comes from TFC, I'm like, oh, this will be easier on me. They've already got so much of the education, Mm. um, like that underlying education. I'm not going to have to teach them what a minimalist shoe is because you guys have taught them that stuff. And then they're already in the mindset of, um, improving function. But pain is still... Like, the ones that are only worried about improving function aren't coming to see me. So the pain is still affecting their day-to-day life. But it makes my job so much easier um, because they've been through... Like, that's the benefit of being the TFC pro. Um, Like, people come knowing what they want in terms of function over pain management um, and knowing that it's a long, slow process. They've got the right mindset, straight up.
2: That's really, I think that's a really important point because that basically is what we want to do is take a lot of the pressure off the practitioner to do all of that education and to, um, you know, yeah, to, we, we want people to be coming to professionals already armed armed with the education and some, you know, some experience of training their feet and playing with different or like understanding foot function. And I think, like you said, if there's a thousand people with foot pain, I'm just chucking numbers out here, but a thousand people with foot pain, maybe 80% of those people could drastically improve, maybe even eliminate their foot pain, get back to their function just by doing some basic exercises and by understanding their pain. And so being educated and doing some basic training, they're going to be like, oh, sweet. I, my, I'm sorted, and then twenty percent of those are going to be like, no, there's still something going wrong, and I and I need individualized help. I think all of them would probably benefit from getting individualized help from the right person from the get go. But it's like it's like we're casting this net out here, and it's like, here, here's all this education and training. Of course, it's if you've got a specific condition, well. then you know try and get to a practitioner. Hmm. But if you can't, then start with this, and then you know. A lot of people just find, well, okay, I'm sorted now. I don't yeah. like, I don't really need to go and see a practitioner, and that's great. Yeah. But then there will always be those people that need spe- specialized help, and that's why we're so focused on building this network because we get asked by so many people, like, where can we? Yeah. Where I'm in, I'm here. Where can I go to find a practitioner? And that it, there just isn't yeah. enough practitioners who are on this wavelength, at least when it comes to feet at the moment. Yeah. I guess
1: yeah. what I was going to say is, like, I think the time that you save as well allows for those relationships that you build to be built quicker and stronger because if you're not having to spend a lot of time with education then then you've got more time to actually build a connection with this person and yeah, yeah you're speaking the same language from the outset so yeah. finding the common ground in
2: a way that's you've already built a relationship through the shared being having the shared values of TFC this is what we found with all the foot nerds whenever you meet a foot nerd that you haven't met before or someone in the TFC community you automatically have a, a deeper connection with them without even knowing them really it's just you you know what they value you know what they're about they're open minded you know they like to play and have fun they there's just those preset relationships. So now if someone comes from TFC, they've already seen or listened to Andy on our podcast We kind of already know what he's about. And so yeah. when they come, it's like, there's already there, that
0: there is definitely that and familiarity. I, I get it. I've, I think done maybe like 40 podcasts in the last three years. Like I ne- will never say no to a podcast unless, um, I've said no to two because they're for orthotic companies and I'm like, I don't think we're going to have so much <laughs> nice stuff to talk about. And so, um, and, and so the people that have listened to these podcasts and they could just be someone that listened to, um, a TFC podcast, or it could be like, there's a local yoga teacher that, um, I get referrals from all over the place because people listen to that podcast. And yeah. I added to her like three years ago, you know, um, and people come as though they already know me. Like they, they, they're sitting in the waiting room, they see me and it's like a, a familiar, a f- whatever that word is, familiar <laughs> immediately because, oh, like, oh, that's him, you know? Um. Oh yeah, I've listened to. I know when I listen to people on podcasts, you get to feel like you know them, yeah. whether you've met them or not. That's mm-hmm. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and and so it does break down that barrier and makes it so much easier to have um, that uh, something relational straight away.
1: And I guess what we're trying to build as well is like, not everyone's going to be able to be on the podcast, and you're not going to be able to ha- be able to have that, you know, that grounding of a relationship yeah. from the outset, but. If you can go to a directory where you know that the people that are there have said that they align with these values, then you you at least go in with a bit of hope and reassurance yeah. that you're going to be on the same page and, to some degree. So you
0: know, you say you, you, that not everyone can be on the podcast, but if you have like a hundred people over the over the world as TSC pros, then um,
2: we are can, gradually getting yeah. more. On the <laughs> we'll, podcast. we'll tick them off
0: that's eventually. Like one a week <laughs> for two years, yeah, and suddenly um, the guy that's in. Um, you know, Auckland, New Zealand, um, wants to find a TFC pro and there's a podcast and it just sets up that relationship straight away. They know what to expect. from. Yeah. You know? that,
2: that is actually what we yeah. want is to, yeah. is to have those connections with pros, get deep on their story, get their, deep yeah. on their approach, really understand them ourselves. And then yeah, have everyone else be able to listen to that and connect with that. And yeah. it, and it does broaden, like there might be another podiatrist who we interview, doesn't do things exactly like you. And then you listen to that, they listen to yours, and then you go, oh, well, what can I learn from that? And everyone just, it's like a hive mind. Everyone's learning from each other's approach. Yeah,
0: and I was going to say that. I I just don't do manual therapy, and I don't do any of those other things because, um, like, it's just not what I... Because you're lazy. Well, (laughs) possibly because I'm inherently lazy. Like, I've never trained myself to do those things. I just don't feel like giving that service. But some people do, and they love it. As, and I don't mind them. Like, that's great. That's a, a business model. They're still helping people. But as long as they're educating as to why it's working and they're yeah, not building that reliance, thing. not re- building that reliance, then it's like a red flag for me. If you're saying, oh, well, we need to dry needle you, you know, like if I'm saying roll a ball out, use heat, um, and, you know, do some taping, whatever, to help with pain. And someone's saying, well, I'm going to dry needle you to help with pain. Um, that will help you today. Like, cause you, I can see you're in acute pain. This is going to help you today. If you found it helpful and you want me to do that again, well, you know I'm here for you. But I don't. You don't need to be sold. Over the next six weeks, you need to be here six weeks uh, every every time to have um, shockwave therapy because we've seen that that really helps heel pain. Look, it might help help heel pain, but when that person gets heel pain again in a year's time, they'll be like, "Oh, I need to go and have another six weeks of shockwave therapy yeah. because that's what fixed my pain." Mm. You know, so um, the, the, the
2: client or patient always leaves with. Uh, some kind of underlying message or an understanding of what is going on and you've only got so much time, especially if you're doing 30-minute consults, you've only got so much time with someone to, you know, if you're going to spend X amount on shockwave therapy, X amount on dry needling and, you know, possibly orthotic prescription... and trying to trying to explain why you're doing all of those things in the context of an active approach like suddenly is just overwhelming, but the the patient can't leave with all of that information. they just leave with a general theme of like yeah. my foot is damaged or like I'm really tight and stiff and so I need needles but yeah. or like you know it's it may it may not even be consciously registered, but the they are leaving with like a yeah like a theme of like okay, yeah. all right, something wrong with me and it needs to be fixed by someone.
0: Unfortunately, the money is where that mind often goes. And so if, mm. if the orthotic is going to cost like 800 bucks, then, oh, that'll be the thing that fixes me, you know? Or if mm. shockwave therapy is a hundred bucks every week for the next six weeks, that's 600 bucks. Well, I guess that'll be the thing that fixes me. If my initial consultation is 200 bucks and goes for an hour and it's mostly about education and they're, and they're being given exercises to do for the next six weeks without coming to see me, where do you, th- where, where might you think? that, um, they're going to think the, the, um, the, the fixes, the fixes yeah. for Them doing stuff and me, educating them about doing that stuff.
2: Yeah. Like it's if you wh- don't
0: give them something that costs money, then they have to do the rehab. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs>
2: Otherwise
0: yeah. they're putting a lot of money at yeah. me talking to them yeah. with
2: them. Whereas, you know, a hybrid model yeah. and everyone's going to practice differently, yeah. but a hybrid model where the patient or the client is pre-educated on, you know, why these, what what these therapies do and the aim of these therapies in the context of an active empowering approach and someone, you know, they understand that they do need to transition towards natural footwear. They understand that they need to work on their foot function. And then someone goes in to see a practitioner who does some manual therapy, but uses it by going, okay, hey, well, let's assess this. This is a bit restricted. Do some manual therapy. See how that opened up. This is how you do that yourself at home. That's right. This is how you test, retest, and it becomes a whole... Training session yes. basically using some of those tools that can be very helpful for opening yes. up movement. And it's like, see, and the reason this worked is because it, you know, decreased the protective um, outputs yes. from your nervous system. And you already know why the, the nervous system is protective because you've listened to this podcast about pain. Yes. And you already know that you need to be working on different elements of your health over time because you've listened to this concept, this podcast about the principles of rehab. Like, yeah, you, you can just fit so much more into a session and do and use all of your tools without without comp- without disempowering the client basically yeah.
1: Yeah. And, yeah and even just the change of perspective on the orthotic being the expensive tool you need to fix you to actually just investing in shoes that are going to fix you because people balk at the price of some barefoot shoes and say how ridiculously expensive they are. And yet they would go and buy a pair of shoes that are half the price and put an orthotic in them, which which is worth three or or four times as
2: much. And so custom made. Well, Um, I mean, (coughs) to play devil's advocate there, (laughs) it's not, it's not the shoes that fix. It's not, it's, 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 it's not the orthotic. It's not the shoe. Even if it's natural footwear, that's not the fix. The fix is the change in load, I feel, Yeah. Um, and it's the change in function. So uh, equally an orthotic and a natural footwear can provide a change in load and a change in function. And so if that is the understanding, it's like these shoes are just a tool to provide a different input into my feet, which is the input that they're desiring right now. So actually on that note, are there times... uh, You've told me before that you will sometimes move someone towards a wider, flatter shoe, but maybe keep their orthotic in if they're still struggling to go without the orthotic, which I imagine is relatively common. Um, are there times that you prescribe orthotics?
0: There are. Um, so, um, for certain conditions that are really acute and there's, um, like for an example, tibialis posterior dysfunction. So this is a, um, A condition that progresses so as it gets weaker instead of a tendon usually getting stronger when it um when it's sore this gets progressively weaker and then the foot changes shape more because of that and so it's a progressive disorder that you might need to give some mechanical help to in the short term Mm -hmm. while some other stuff's going on in the background some people if they're not doing the other stuff in the background will end up in that orthotic forever yeah um uh another example would be Uh, plantar heel pain that we've just thrown you know three or four consultations over six months have gone by and we're really struggling and we just want to unload the heel and so I just use an orthotic in that situation this is when I'm prescribing it in the first place if they've already got it then I'll be having it in and out you know Mm -hmm. like using it but um and, and even that tid post one rarely do I see the ones anyway that are um so acute that I need to put it in straight away I'm looking after a young girl at the moment who's um, diagnosed with a hypermobility disorder. And her mum has it as well. And she's got, um, the mum has really high arched feet, which is really unusual in a hypermobility disorder. Often they're really, really um, low arched feet. But she's got really high arched feet. And, uh, and the mum's gone uh, seeing an exercise physiologist and PT and really gone down the exercise path. And it's making a huge difference and got out of orthotics. And the six year old has got very similar feet. And so it, it makes sense to me, family history, that this girl's going to be fine without orthotics. And so we removed, we slowly removed her orthotics. I don't really give exercise rehab to a six-year-old, but I've got a, she's dancing, she's um, living a very active um, life um, so that her body is developing as much as it can within that spectrum of the half disorder. But then we see one foot, just like body me out all of a sudden, mm. almost. It might be to do with um, her growing. It might be, like, I don't even know why. And, and the theory tells me that it doesn't really matter, that have one foot's bottoming out, but um, hypermobility um, disorder in the background, well, in the foreground, um, I'm putting like a gentle orthotic in that shoe to kind of hopefully fire up like almost an proprioceptive way of the muscles in that area to help do something, um, almost like a... So, like it, kinesio tape type of thing. It's right. not like a big orthotic that just jams her into this different position and and we review it every six months, you know? Like,
2: That's yeah. what I was going to ask. What's the difference In between a shoe as well? what, what would you call a gentle orthotic versus like a non-gentle Yeah, like when I used to make orthotic it, orthotics myself. Is it the height? Of
0: yeah, it? yeah. we Or material as well. Oh, when, material. I, when I used to make orthotics myself, we use this um, really thick Well, it depended on how heavy the person was, was how thick would make the material. And um, we'd also make it, so it wasn't only in one plane, like it was sometimes coming in from the side as well, because Mm -hmm. that would make it even stronger. And the idea was to block the movement or to really change the movement. But I think um, podiatry has progressed, even mainstream podiatry, well, I hope, has progressed beyond that, where we see on orthotic as more of a guidance of movement Mm -hmm. and, or maybe a bit more proprioceptive. And so I think they're making them softer with a bit more nuance. Um, and so a gentle orthotic is yeah, more give. So it's like something that's more functional. They used to be rock hard and some people still making them rock hard. Don't don't get me wrong.
2: So you could have an orthotic that's still allowed like a natural pronation, shock absorption, and then to come back. It would assist that. Yeah. That's that's what I hope's
0: going on with that little girl. Like, again, if she didn't have the hypermobility disorder, I would be saying, like, it's just, let's let it be, you know, like, like I see a lot of kids um, with pe- worried parents um, or worried grandparents and mostly it's about just showing how able this child is because they don't have pain It's and um, the research really shows clearly that we shouldn't be doing anything to kids if they don't have any discomfort or pain or functional issues mm. we should just be letting them be um, But when, As long as, as you're
2: not Actively disrupting their function with certain aspects of their environment. Yeah. So
0: and so, but because you've got mobility, that clouds the issue. So yeah. they're the examples that I might use. Yeah. yeah. And in getting people rid of them, if they want to get rid of them, then I'll be helping them mm. do that. Um, you need you generally need less orthotic in a minimalist shoe because you've engaged. Um, you you have less um, pronatory moments when you take the heel away, um, from heel strike and like the heel away from a heeled shoe. And you, when you have the ability to use a straight big toe, then you are more easily getting out of that rolled in position. So you don't need the orthotic to help you so much. So as soon as you go into a wide, flatter shoe, I think you need less orthotic so I can reduce it straight away. And then um, if we're doing rehab as well, then you, you know, often can get out of out of your orthotic for a long time. When you
2: say reduce it, do you mean reduce it, the, stiffness. The, the stiffness? Yeah. So you would often do that by making, so you... you
0: so um uh, the the harder material of orthotic um won't change its shape but you can thin it out so it flexes more right so there's less pressure
2: and into you, the can, foot. you can you can thin it out everyone's
0: got a, um every podiatrist has got a grinding wheel yeah yeah and right. i don't have one anymore but i just go up to the other podiatrist up the road yeah. it makes orthotics every day. And I've got a good agreement with him. Yeah. I teach his, um, his staff about some foot rehab stuff and I get to use his lab occasionally. And I just, like it's just a two minute job to grind out an orthotic. So it's got a bit more flex in it. Yeah. Um, or, um, yeah, that's how we do it. Yeah. So any material you do that with.
2: So I'm asking a lot of questions about orthotics. Good. Um, yeah. so, say you, you mentioned, I'm going to pick on this for some reason. Um, the person who's, you know, not really progressing over, you know, a matter of months, up to six months, and you know they're funny and hard to get through their day. Why wait for that long to intervene with an orthotic versus, yeah, why, why, or why not use an orthotic earlier?
0: Natural history should tell us um, that they they'll probably be getting better over that period. So of- if
2: it's an acute injury, if you mean if it's an acute acute injury, yeah, and it's not. For some reason, you know, you're trying to allow it to follow its natural history.
0: They might've had it for two years and then, um, and I want to see what the effect of having changing shoes, habits, and rehab, well, I want to see how those three things are going to affect it without putting the orthotic in place. Yeah. Putting the orthotic in place, it becomes a reliance upon the orthotic. Yeah. The orthotic is probably going to take some more pain away quicker, but I don't want to um, set that up as a go-to so quickly.
1: Is the issue that it... It impacts the other three as well. Like yeah, you're, cha- what, you're essentially changing the environment, but also
0: yeah, the function. It, yeah, it is, but um, it, it's more about um, that st- what, what their state of mind might be around what helped. Yeah, right. And so if they've already got an orthotic in place, then I'll be saying let's use that for the things that trigger, um, mm. pain more. Mm. But let's start trying to go without it, or let's reduce it a bit. Um, if that's what they want to do, you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So obviously putting
0: their orthotics for the rest of their lives, like it, it might be for three hours a week. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's not gonna. It's not detrimental to their foot function unless they are having issues because of that orthotic.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess obviously it would depend on the individual. You weren't referring to a specific individual there, but it's like yeah. if, if someone's in so much debilitating pain.
0: I have one in mind. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Because it's bit rare. But it's I'm not at... rare that I have to do yeah. it. I might have done it two to three times in right. five years.
2: Yeah. 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 Wow.
0: Yeah. Um, for plantar heel pain. Yeah. I've had to go back to an orthotic. Oh, yeah. Like put an orthotic in place that wasn't there in the first place. Yeah. Or I think we talked about one earlier today before we came on the podcast of someone that's the so mobile um, and that they're, they're, um, both Michelle Bergeron and I have like gone to the nth degree with rehab and we can't get that first ray, the inside of the foot stabilized. So we're going to put like a really light orthotic in, a custom toe wedge and, like, and, and use it in a minimalist shoe, you know? So it's kind of meeting halfway, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be all or nothing and I think um, TFC Probably started out, and I started out being all or nothing because that's the nature of finding something new. You're like all all in, yeah. But then you start seeing people and dealing with people, and you realise the human is never. Um, it's um, never black. textbook. It's never black and white. Yeah, it's always grey. That even the most, um, you know, like I consider you an elite mover, and you've just explained how you woke up with knee pain, and it might be refreshing for everyone to hear that because yeah. You yeah. Know, like <laughs> he's human. You know, <laughs> like even the most elite movers have. Um, Like the bodies have bodies that um, still feel pain and like Mm -mm. this is normal stuff. And for you, you had to do maybe a considerably extreme exercise for that to happen or something that your body was like really not prepared for. But um, the next person... It was
2: pretty silly. Yeah.
0: (laughs) The next person might just be going down to the local supermarket and um, taking longer at the shops and spending an extra half an hour on their feet. Yeah. That might trigger it, you know, like that would be the want the other end of the spectrum, mm. all about capacity, and and so it's never black and white. Yeah, meeting people where they're at. Um, yeah, and, and and being able to work out where that place is at,
2: rather than going, oh, everyone should be
0: able to do this. You know what? Yeah. Can't do this. You know, like, yeah,
2: yeah. So it's it's that. Yeah. So the va- the vast majority of people can self-manage their pain without an orthotic, therefore it's kind of important to try that first in a lot of ways because even if it doesn't work, they understand that that is the important thing. The orthotic is just helping you do that versus... If they their experience is the orthotic helped the pain, well, yeah. why the fuck would I do an exercise? Like the orthotic exactly. is the thing. So it's
0: in, in that six months they haven't been just left out, out there in the wild. Yeah,
2: they've, they've been, noticed that they're better at doing this exercise, that
0: they're be- more functional here. They can do thirty single leg calf. They're doing hitting so many of the ticking so many of the boxes in terms of um, being a more functional human. Yeah, and they know it. And so sometimes they might end up going to get a cortisone shot just to, because there's some residual inf- pain. So we need to um, break this pain cycle somehow. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it, at that point, it doesn't really matter how you break it. It just needs to happen. Yeah, yeah, for to let everything else through. Yeah, movement. yeah, or yeah. to allow the um, brain to go. Okay, that's over. Let's yeah. move on. You know, I'll look, like yeah. I can do all this now. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And often we we talk about Tom and I do a lot of podcasts on different conditions yeah. and principles yeah. of rehab and stuff. And I think a lot of the time people are probably missing other aspects of their lifestyle and their health that are making their body and nervous system extra sensitive and more likely to feel pain in, you know, in higher amounts, whether it's lack of sleep, you know, inflammatory diets, you know, gut issues, so on and so forth. It's just like a a high level of systemic inflammation so that it's a lot harder for the usual load management tricks to work or load management, you know, strategies because, their body is just at a higher level of sensitivity
0: yeah and i reckon tfc do that better than like um me as an individual health practitioner when someone comes to me with foot pain it's it's it is a hard thing to then start talking about their weight yeah, or
1: yeah. Their,
0: um their, what they're oh, eating yeah. their personal life in terms of stresses from their teenage kids or their relationship with their partner or how well they're um sleeping um, so yeah. I I I feel it's my job to make mention of it, but I don't delve too much into it. Yeah. But it, just bringing it to their attention um, well, that, that it can be a factor, I think, is.
1: You do oh only really have so much, much time. Yeah, well. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got to
0: make sure. So I, I make sure that they understand that that could be an issue. I flag it straight up. You know, or it could have. If, if especially if we're struggling to say, oh, like I did this marathon when I'd only trained two months, and that's why I've got a sore foot. Like that's obvious. That's why it got sore. Um, and so you're right guys, That's (laughs) um, and so, uh, so if it's really hard to find that big red flag as to why they got sore, then we're going to be delving into that a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if they're overweight, they know that's why their feet are sore a lot of the time.
1: But I think that, that awareness that you help them build and the education about what's going on with this does arm them with, even if they don't find us or they, they don't find another program or another community that's going to help them look at their holistic health just by better understanding what's going on here, light bulbs start to go off about what's going on yeah. everywhere else. Hundred
0: percent, yeah. And, and it just yeah. Yeah. So I saw a guy um from Country Victoria recently online and he's like, Oh do you know any physios for shoulders? Because But like, I've never met a health practitioner like you and I want to know a physio that does, that is going to um, address it in the same, like, he's like, oh, why can't this work for my shoulder? Yeah. Why isn't someone dealing with me for my shoulder? Like this. The same way. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like it's. Yeah. 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 I think that's, that's a big reason why we want to have this big uh, array of podcasts. Because I think. People take in information in their own time when they're like ready and open to receiving that information, and sometimes you can't. If it can be overwhelming in a single session with a practitioner, but if you're just driving on your way to work and you're going to listen to the radio anyway, you can you can start absorbing these messages, and you don't really have to get it all at once. But if if you recommended, you know, the principles of rehab podcast of ours to a client they'll hear stuff that reinforces what you're saying, they'll be like, oh, that clicked, the way he explained that clicked, you know, and over time they just click more and more and then it paints this full picture to the point that they, you know, they really get what's going on without you having to spend all of that time with them and it's completely free. So <laughs> it's like saves people time, saves people money, it saves people energy. Um, reinforces f- um, what I'm saying. Reinforces That's what, what yeah. you're saying and is also like a reminder. Like if, if you've said, Hey, listen to this podcast on your way to work. Yeah. They listen to it. They're like, Oh yeah. Okay, cool. When I get to work, I'm going to do five minutes of those exercises yeah. because it's fresh in their mind. Yeah. So I think, I think yeah. there's a really, a, a big power to a big that. Place, yeah. and,
1: and at the same time,
2: like, excuse the fuck, yeah, excuse the, <laughs> well might just pause. We've for all a the chaos.
1: <laughs> but like at the same time, if someone is coming to see you for a full issue, and okay, they resolve resolved that foot issue, but a shoulder pain does come up down the line. That's the reason the, the TFC Pro Directory isn't just podiatrists. Yeah, Like there's a reason there's mm-hmm. massage therapists, yoga instructors, Pilates instructors, people of all different facets, personal trainers, you know, physios obviously. The whole point is, is that because you understand what these practitioners value, you have faith that if something does go wrong, then There are people there that you can turn to, or if you just want to better your movement capacity generally, yeah, there, there's someone there that yeah. you know you're going to get the same experience. From. Yeah, it gives them that, yeah, that it maintains that faith no matter what goes wrong. There's probably someone out there that you I should, should trust. Shares his his values. Values. Yeah. That's so, why well, they'll
0: be in a network of people that are similar, yeah, like this guy asking me about the show, yeah.
1: Exactly. So I'm like,
0: okay, there's a guy in Brisbane, not sure if he's doing um. You know, and, but then there's this other person, you know, you're just pulling
2: um, that yeah. resources together. Yeah. Yeah. It's the power, the power of the network with a shared yeah value structure basically. Yeah. And that's why the tenants aren't the 10, the, the 10 tenants of TFC pro aren't all focused on feet. It's like, you know, I, I lead by example, I aim to embody my work and lead by example. Like there's these small broad principles of like. Yeah. What it means to be a TFC pro it doesn't have to just be focused on feet. Yeah, that'd
1: be a good place to wrap yeah.
2: it up. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. I'm getting hungry. Me too. <laughs>
0: me too. Thanks for having
2: me. Yeah, Well, Thanks for change. coming on. It's been a long time coming. I think the last one was maybe three years ago. Okay. It was, yeah. I believe, two to three, 89. but <laughs> overdue. We'll make, we'll make it yeah, more regular. Yeah. Um, sweet. We'll
1: get you, yeah, get you on a pro round table soon enough. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, and putting up with the noises the fire, in the background. The <laughs> it's it's all worth it. I hope, I hope we were outside. audible. Yeah, yeah. It's much better for us, yeah. <laughs> not necessarily better for you, listening, <laughs> but but we enjoy it more. Does the main? As much
1: as we can. <laughs> Until next time, catches.
2: Thanks for tuning in to the Restore to Explore podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review wherever you're listening. That's the best way to support us and to help us reach more people. If you're after more free TFC education or training, looking for any of our TFC tools, natural footwear discounts, or you want specialised guidance on your foot health journey from a trusted TFC health professional, head to thefootcollective.com. All of the important links are in the show notes of the episode.